Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are up to episode 280. Yep, we're getting closer and closer to that 300 mark. And I don't even know what I'm going to do when I get to 300. But I'm excited to still be doing this show and to have the listenership growing and more people getting involved with the Potential Mastermind group that spun out of this. The Potential Mastermind project is the group coaching program that uh, came about because some listeners said, why don't you do one of these group coaching programs like other podcasters. And I thought, because who would want to do that? But if you want to find out more about that, you can jump over to PotentialMastermind.com and you'll find out everything you need to know about our mighty little group that we have going on over there. So today I have on the show another person who is another professional speaker, but he's not someone I've known through just my involvement with the National Speakers Association and sort of where I've been. I actually met Brian Fanzo because we were both guests on another podcast. We were on sort of a video podcast about the meetings world and uh, he was on the show and it was a video show. So I got to see him. And, you know, if you looked at me, I look like I come out of central casting for like a 50 year old banker. And yet this guy was a millennial. He was cool. He kind of had a backwards hat on. And I thought, now, that's the guy I would rather be than this 50-year-old banker-looking dude, but uh, I've followed him ever since, and you know, he's kind of an interesting person. He spent nine years working for, I think it was the Department of Defense. He traveled around the world working on cybersecurity, and then he became a speaker talking about a whole bunch of millennial issues, and he has a couple of podcasts of his own. He has been a guest on over 100 podcasts in the last two years, so I'm glad he was able to squeeze cool things entrepreneurs do into his busy guesting schedule. And he is the father of three little kids. And when you follow him on social media, he's got these three daughters who are under the age of seven. And you can tell already at their young ages, they know they have a cool dad because they're just always in these pictures, like going like, Wah! like they're just having a great time. And it must be just craziness in the Fanzo house. So Brian Fanzo, welcome to cool things entrepreneurs do. Well, thank you for having me. I think it's the coolest intro that I've got. So I, you, you, you've uh, held your mark on uh, on the, the name of the show as well as a very cool interview. And I, I hope I'm a cool dad. I think I'm still a cool dad because they don't know better. But uh, yeah, it, for me, that's uh, it's a lot of fun. And I, I love, I, my mom says, you know, I, I came out of the womb talking. So I think the reason that I love hosting podcasts and being a guest on podcasts is I'm, I'm not shy. And it's probably one thing I've always done since I was, I was little and used to get in school trouble for talking. Now I get to get paid for talking. So it's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> when, when we cleaned out my father's house, when we moved him to a retirement village before he passed away, uh, my brother found one of my like second grade report cards. And in the comment section, it said, Mrs. Singer, see me. Tom talks too much in class. And my brother came running out with the report card. <laughs> and he was like, wait a minute, we have to find this teacher for what you charge to give a speech. She probably owes you like $100,000. So uh, I never did bill. I never did bill my teachers for all the too much talking I did in school. But 
uh, I definitely uh, can relate to your story on that. So before we get going with the interview, I want to ask you about being on so many podcasts. And in 2017, you know, go back two or three years and having a podcast was like one of the hottest topics being discussed in the world of business and, and entrepreneurs. And now all of a sudden, in the last six months, the biggest topic is guesting. So why have you been on a hundred shows? What's the, what's the value of being a guest on a show like Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do? Well, uh, this is a good question because you know, I've, I've hosted two podcasts. One, uh, we're on to our fourth year um, and we do it uh, kind of, we do two, two shows a month. So I'm very impressed with your total number of shows. It's very impressive. Uh, and then my second podcast that I launched um, just uh, seven months ago, uh, I do every week. And the interesting thing for me, you know, I've been a podcast listener for about seven years to different shows. And I've always, I've always admired the intimacy between the host and the podcast community. It's to me, there is no other uh, channel. There is no other content that allows this intimacy through kind of this, you know, I, I love video. I do a lot of stuff on video, but podcasting allows the listener to add their own creativity, use their own imagination uh, when a story is being told. And I think that's one of those things that is so raw and so real. And I think this idea of being a guest, it not only allows you to be, uh, you know, kind of, I would say the star of the show, but it also allows you to kind of take advantage or capitalize on kind of that goodwill, goodwill and equity that the host has already built up with that, that community. And, and so for me, I think it's, it's always an honor. I feel, you know, extreme, extremely privileged anytime I've been asked to be a guest and I'm, and I'm blessed that, you know, I keep being asked, you know, to come back. And I think this element for today's crazy world, we have so many distractions, so much content, so many different places we can get information. There's very few that are as intimate as the podcast. I think that's why as much as I love video and video growth is you know, something that we, we hear talked about a lot, I truly feel podcasting is kind of still in its own swim lane. And I think we're looking for ways to stand out and being a guest on a podcast to me is, is really one of the best ways there is. So what are some tips for people who are going to be, how do you be a good guest? I would imagine I've been on dozens of podcasts, but not hundreds. Once you've been on hundreds, you know, it's like anything. It's like that 10,000 hours theory. Once you've been on as many shows as you have, you probably have some good tips for people on how to be a good guest on a show. Well, I would say my number one, I'd say secret is I listen to at least two episodes of that, of that podcast prior to being a guest on the show. And that, you know, that might sound, well, of course you do, but you know, there's a lot of times, you know, I've, I've been a guest on a police podcast where it was, you know, police officers uh, asking, you know, I was giving social media advice and tips on social media. I was on a podcast for um, pet influencers, so dog owners. And so these aren't normal podcasts that I would say that are in my, in my podcasting app. So I think one of my biggest tips is, and it's really for me, the reason for that is you want to understand kind of the cadence of the, of the host, but you also want to understand for me, this is a big piece is I like to talk and I, and I can drown on and I can talk on. And the, one of the things I always look for is, is the host going to be able to cut me off to jump in or do I need to come to an end? And I think for me, that allows me to not take over the podcast or really put the host in a position that they're not most comfortable in. I think, it, and the other piece of that is, you know, how do you simplify the entire process? I think there's, you know, Chris Brogan uh, was one of those people that early on had told me, 
you know, he's like, Hey Brian, you know, anytime you're making an ask or anytime someone's asking you to be a part of something, simplify what, what they have going on. And so I even have, you know, much on my speaker uh, landing page, I have all of the, the notes on, on that landing page for my podcast guest spots as well, because I want to make it easy to be a guest. And I also want to make sure I understand kind of the cadence and rhythm of the host so that I, I can hopefully not only fall in line, but I can make it probably you know, the most comfortable for both myself as well as the, the host itself. Well, I, you're already doing a great job on this show. We can already tell you're a pro. So, you know, you worked for the, the Department of Defense for a while and you had sort of a, I wouldn't know, it doesn't sound like it was a traditional job, but it was a job. And now you've launched out to become a speaker and a podcaster and all the things that go along with that, sort of carving your own path in the world. What led you to take that leap to becoming sort of this solopreneur who's out there just making money talking? So, you know, this is one of my favorite, you know, kind of questions because I introduce myself as a, a change evangelist. And really that just means that my, my, my path and career has been very unique and has, has changed throughout, um, you know, my journey. You know, I grew up in a house. My dad was an entrepreneur. Uh, he owned a candy business. And then when I was 14 years old, uh, my family uh, started a frozen yogurt shop. And we had that for, I, I got to hire and fire my friends before I was 16 years old. And I, I managed that from I was 16 to 19. And then my two younger brothers took it over as well. And so the entrepreneur spirit and blood was kind of um, in my family. But my dad had always kind of instilled on us to find our own path. And we didn't take over the family business. None of us, three sons, took over the family business. And I actually loved my job. I worked for uh, the Department of Defense for a government contractor and I took that job and I, you know, I am a millennial and you'll hear lots of rumors about millennials jumping jobs and being, you know, not having loyalty. But my first, you know, real job out of college, I worked there for nine years uh, in the Department of Defense. I, I grew a team of, you know, I had 32 people that worked for me. Uh, we traveled around the world teaching cyber. And I had that, you know, the, that manager and that boss that I'm still good friends with now. And he kept giving me the nudge, like, Brian, you need to go on your own. Brian, you need to go on your own. And I had this like you know, worry and this feeling that I couldn't shake that I was like, I'm not ready yet. I don't, I don't have what it takes. I don't have a skill set. And so I left that big enterprise job and I went to a startup. I went to a really uh, startup that was in the, the data center business that was migrating in the cloud computing business. And I was at that startup for a little over two years. And we went from 256 employees to 614 employees, almost 12 new hires a week. And those were, that was my job. I was a, a technology evangelist. My job was kind of connecting the dots between our internal walls and our external walls. And it was probably every three months or six months within that job that I had somebody telling me, Brian, I can't believe you're not on your own. Can't believe you're not on your own. And for me, I was, I always had that feeling. I, I felt like I wasn't prepared enough. And and I, you know, I'd heard the thing like, okay, you're not, no one's going to be prepared. But when I looked at successful entrepreneurs and those that were doing it well, I kind of felt like they still had something that I didn't. And I didn't, you know, I didn't make the leap um, kind of on my own. I, I was very blessed to kind of have a, a golden parachute uh, per se. When my CEO came into me, uh, you know, at my company that I was working at, the startup that was growing, and he said, Brian, today needs to be your last day. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean by that? And he was like, I want you to go on your own. You've done as much as you could possibly do for our company. And we have a merger coming on. There's some things that we have going on. I think now is the right time. 
And he's like, I'm willing to be your first customer and you can help. He, he, he had a, was an investor in a couple of startups at the time. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of help bankroll you. So you don't have to worry. I know you have young kids at home. And so my entrepreneur journey was kind of a, a nudge out the door. I went from being kind of the face of a, a startup to, uh, I cleaned out my desk that day and, and left and got in my car and was like, okay, well now I'm an entrepreneur. And, uh, it's been four years since that day. Uh, and it's a, it's been a fun journey. I can say it's without question, the hardest job I've had, um, compared to my work in the department of defense, my work, uh, in the startup, but it's one that I, I realize now that if I would have been waiting till I was ready, I still wouldn't be an entrepreneur. I would still be waiting, but, um, I'm not sure if I would have without that push, I'm not sure if I would be one today. So I'm very blessed that I, I kind of got the kick that I did from the CEO I had. Well, it's interesting, Brian, because I'm a little bit older than you are. I'm 51 years old, and I spent probably 15 or 20 years with this little thing inside of me thinking I should be working for myself. I should be doing something, but I never really knew exactly what that was, and I fiddled around, and I bounced around, and I had a couple of different jobs, but until I got laid off and got sort of that kick in the butt. Now, of course, it happened to me at the bottom of the recession when everybody was being laid off. In fact, the company I work for laid off 40 or 50% of their employees in one day, uh, April, April 1st. 2009. And, you know, the, the irony of being laid off on April 1st has never been lost on me. But uh, that was the day that was sort of the day I decided that, that I had to go out and do it. And I think the same thing is that if it hadn't come about that way, I wonder how long I would have waited to think, well, I can't do it now because I have kids. And at that point, my kids weren't yet in high school. And if they'd gotten to high school, then it would be, well, I got to worry about college. And of course, now I've got a kid in college. And if I had seen the tuition bills, I probably never would have gone out on my own. So I totally relate to I totally relate to that. But now that you've been doing it for four years, what do you love about the life of being an entrepreneur? You know, I, I truly, you know, I, I really love the, the aspect of, you know, it's that personal challenge. It's the understanding that yes, you have freedom. Yes. You don't report to any boss. Um, but this, this idea that you, you are the success that you make. And I think that, you know, it's, it is nice to not have to work nine to five Monday through Friday or, you know, do an expense report the, the way that someone else wants you to. But at the same time, if you want to get paid, if you want to grow your business, if there's so many things that are really relying on your own self-motivation and your own drive. And to me, that's just, it, it's, a, it's an excitement. It's one of those, um, you know, I've always been very self-aware. I think, you know, I, I talk a lot about collaboration and I, of course, when I worked on the cybersecurity side of the house with, with 32 remote employees, I worked really hard in, in figuring out how to kind of master collaboration. And, and one of the things I realized was you have to, you have to first know what you don't know before you can kind of surround yourself with people that know what you don't. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's probably more important than anything else. And I think that for me, I would say of the things that I've kind of loved and grown over the last four years is I, I now have a much better understanding of what I like to do, what I'm good at doing, <laughs> what I can do, and then ultimately what I hope to not be doing for a long period of time as I scale, as I grow. But the entrepreneur world for me, I've, I've loved the pivot. I love that, that personal challenge. And it is, it's been probably the, uh, the greatest mirror that I could have ever asked for as far as a, a self-awareness on what I'm, I'm good at and where I'm going. 
Now, do you find as the the father of, of three young children that working for yourself, I mean, while you work long hours and you travel and, and you've spoken in you know several different countries, uh, you're gone a lot. But do you notice that when you're home, you're more engaged, you're more home than if you had a regular nine to five job? Uh, I will say, so honestly, so I, I, in the transparent side, I wasn't at first. I, when I first became an entrepreneur, uh, not only not because it's that whole, I never believed in work-life balance. I've kind of believed in going all in no matter what you're doing. And for me, I kind of didn't figure that out. And, and I kind of came up with something that I call airplane mode. And uh, my, my daughters just call it airplane. And they're like, oh, daddy's an airplane, which is as simple as it sounds. I put my phone uh, into airplane mode because I am one that, you know, I do a lot of work in social media. I, I, I have a lot of my uh, success can be directly linked to what I do um, with social and social media is always on. And I think it was a mistake early on as an entrepreneur that I thought that if I worked really hard, that that would equal to success. And I quickly found out working smart is the key and working smart is probably harder than working hard, but it does allow me to, you know, not only do things like, you know, be more in the, in the moment when I am with my kids, but not having to worry about things like an afternoon play or, you know, my daughter telling me, you know, like the Tuesday before uh, this happened at the end of the school year on a Wednesday, she's like, daddy, I would love for you to come in. We're having water day and, you know, the parents allowed to come in and it was less than 24 hours notice, but, being able to kind of do that and jump in on that has really been, you know, something that I, I value and I treasure. And I also love, you know, the summertime. I, you know, my daughters are, are young, but my older two are, you know, first grade and kindergarten. And just being able to really prioritize, you know, April and May working all these little bit extra hours and kind of planning my business out so that when they did come in for summertime, I was able to take off lots more time. I mean, very, very few Mondays this summer have I been working or traveling so that I could spend a, an additional day with my, with my girls. So it is, it is a luxury, but I can say I, I made the mistake early on of not realizing um, that I had that opportunity. And I'm glad that I, I caught on when I did because it's, it's definitely been a, a true benefit of being an entrepreneur. Well, and it goes by really fast because I have two daughters. They're ages 20 and 15. And, and you know, you only get those those ages where they're first and third grade and younger. You only get it once. And all of a sudden you turn around and they're asking for tuition for one of the most expensive colleges in America. And then they announce the second year, hey, I'm not coming home for the summer. I'm staying at college. And then they uh, say, oh, by the way, uh, you know, uh, I'm bringing my boyfriend home to meet you. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of changes that happen that, that you're not ready for yet. But uh, realize that you just got to enjoy every day uh, sort of along the way and, and enjoy it while you're there. So it sounds like you've, you've grasped that early. I, I did. And I, I've always believed that the, the number one job I wanted, even in high school, I remember telling my guidance counselor, uh, you know, I want to be a dad. I always have kind of wanted that role. It's something that I really looked forward to. And, and hearing you say that, like as much as I, I get the chills thinking about, you know, the boyfriend and the college and then the extra uh, college pieces of it, I think it's it's really one of the most rewarding aspects, and, and I I do take it to heart every time I'm reminded to um, you know remember all of these moments because my my youngest is now three, and I I don't know you know it went from diapers to now she's uh, she's using an iPad and an Apple TV without very much uh, interference. So I, I'm seeing that <laughs> momentum happen now, and doing my best to 
to document and enjoy the journey as much as I can. Well, and I know, I think if I remember correctly, you're from Pittsburgh originally. And so my daughter's in college in Pittsburgh. And so one of the things I'm doing right now is is I'm willing to deal with any client who wants to have me come speak who is within an hour of Pittsburgh. And uh, twice this fall, I get to go in and speak in Pittsburgh, which means I get to go out to dinner with my kids. So uh, it does go fast and I only get to see mine a few days a year now, but uh, it's all good. I love that. Yes, I, I was. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, diehard. Uh, Pittsburgh fan. A lot of my family is still up there, and I and I actually took on Carnegie Mellon uh, University as a client for that exact reason, as they told me that they would they would schedule some of uh, the work that I do with them on kind of the Fridays in the fall, so that I can go to a, a hockey game and a Steelers football game. So I can appreciate the uh, the need to have work in that area, especially with a. Uh, with a kid going to school there in that great city of Pittsburgh. Yeah, she's going to be a junior at Carnegie Mellon this year. So uh, the next time you go up there, if you're speaking on campus, let me know and I'll make sure she comes and heckles you. I will. I will. I will let you know. I do I do some great work with the team up there. And I, I'm, I'll have to connect you with them as well. As they, um, they they do some of the, the most exciting stuff, kind of thinking outside the box with uh, data and analytics. I think Carnegie Mellon, I, I grew up, of course, there with that university very close by. And then when I worked for the Department of Defense, Carnegie Mellon was actually our resource for a lot of our cyber uh, testing and analytics. So I, I've had kind of a love with that university. I could have never got in it uh, whenever <laughs> I was uh, going to college, but uh, it is definitely a great one. So I will, I'll, I'll take you up on that and I will definitely connect some dots and uh, you're kind of maybe meet up there in the Pittsburgh. That'd be a lot of fun. That, that'd be awesome. It sounds like we're doing a commercial for Carnegie Mellon right now, but uh, I, knew, I, knew, <laughs> yeah, it does. I knew nothing about the university before it bubbled up as, as Jackie's first choice. And, uh, you know, now she's been there a couple of years and I'm just blown away by how many great people have gone there, how many things go on there. Uh, you know, they, they won the, the big ma- international math competition for colleges this year. I mean, there's some smart, smart people at Carnegie Mellon. So that's for sure. That's impressive that your daughter's going there as well. <laughs> yeah, she's she really likes it. It's the what I tell everybody, and you'll get there. Is when it comes to picking a college, you just got to find the right school for the right kid. And and I really think that 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 she did that. And I have another daughter coming up behind her. And wherever she decides to go, all we can do is hope that she'll find a place that she can call home for four years, uh, like her older sister has. So hey. What advice do you have then for people who are listening to this thinking, wait a minute, I feel just like Brian. I, I feel like the time has come that, that maybe I need to go out on my own. Or maybe people are coming to me saying, why, why are you working for us? Why aren't you doing your own thing? What advice do you have for people if they want to start their own business? So I think the first thing is the word solo in solopreneur does not mean your success is reliant on you doing everything and you not kind of looking at outsource outside resources, even listening to a podcast like this or joining the mastermind, which I heard you talk about during the intro. I, I think for me, I, my initial jump into entrepreneurship because I kind of had that golden parachute was, uh, was very successful. I was able to scale a lot of things. Uh, and I started to realize that I was building a business that I did not love or enjoy, but I was building one that was kind of the easiest path to success. And I, I kind of, I, I wish at the time I realized the value of, you know, entrepreneur resources and other entrepreneurs and the entrepreneur community itself is very transparent and open, even those of us, even in the same business. And I think part of that is because we all kind of realize that there is enough, uh, you know, out there in the world for us to take advantage of as far as clients and customers and services, but we, we all don't know everything. So I think the the number one advice is, you know, it's not about doing it on your own. 
It's more about understanding kind of the resources that are, are available. Uh, and then I said the second advice is kind of being okay with realizing that it's kind of like that question you're, that we, we were talking about our kids. You know, when, when I remember being asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think what I wanted to be when I grew up changed 15 times from when I was first asked that at, you know, at six years old. And I, my daughter, right now my oldest wants to be a firefighter and I, and I, <laughs> I champion that. I'm, yep. I'm, if, if that's what she chooses, that's what she chooses. But I think as an entrepreneur, you kind of realize that you get into entrepreneurship maybe to do something. And the idea of pivoting and, and kind of shifting either what you sell or how you sell. Or for me, I went from a kind of building a marketing agency to dissolving that entire agency because I, I realized that wasn't my, my true calling and directly pivoting into a more consultant and speaking role. And if I, if I realized how, how much that pivot was kind of normal as an entrepreneur, I think I, I would have been more comfortable, but I think it's like that, it's that weird part where you're like, you know, what, what do I want to be an entrepreneur to do? And just like everything else in career, everything else in life, uh, what you do and how you do it is going to change. And as an entrepreneur, if you embrace that, I think it's easier to kind of enjoy the path and kind of the journey as it goes. Absolutely. Hey, Brian, I've got a few more questions for you before I can let you go. And I know this episode is going to go a little longer than some, but people are just going to have to, to bear with it because you've got so much good advice for everybody. But first, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that your show will sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great, great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Brian Fanzo. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Brian, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Well, I would say the coolest thing that I'm doing in my business is hosting my own podcast. And, uh, and I think that's an interesting segue even into the, the sponsor because podcasting for the longest time, I think the it, it was so hard to get into and there was so much technology behind it and there wasn't resources or services available to kind of simplify that for us. And I, I started my own podcast and it's actually a solo podcast. It's called FOMO fans, which stands for the fear of missing out. And, and my goal on that show is to, to cure your fear of missing out one episode uh, a week. And I talk about a, a wide variety of topics, but it's really cool to, you know, build in a, a kind of a new community in the podcasting. And, you know, I have a, a fairly large social footprint. I do a lot of speaking and the amount of people that will email me or contact me and say, Brian, I never heard of you. I didn't know who you are. I stumbled across your podcast or someone recommended your podcast. And now I want to know more. And that to me, it's that, it's that cool feeling of, of knowing that you're a part of someone's commute or a part of someone's workout. And the podcast has the solo podcast to me. Now that I'm looking at my business, it's probably been one of my, my better lead generators uh, as far as reaching new audiences and having new opportunities to speak at new events and new companies. So I think the, the coolest thing is definitely uh, FOMO fans. I'm, I'm approaching episode 50 uh, very soon. So not, not anywhere close to episode 300, but it's been, a, <laughs> it's been a cool ride for the last six or seven months. 
Well, you know, I say it all the time that, you know, I've been teaching people how to connect better, both at conferences and in their career for over a decade now. And the single best networking tool I've ever found has been my podcast. I have met more people through hosting this show and being on other shows. I met you through us both being on the, the, uh, that, that other, that other podcast, but being able to just connect with people and just be real and have conversations really has allowed me to expand not only my network, but it's brought in a bunch of speaking opportunities for me. And I talk to other speakers. And they're like, well, how quickly can that happen? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm up to, you know, over 200 shows and only this year am I starting to get that. I do the show twice a week, but this year I've picked up business from people who listen to the show who are like, oh my gosh, my company, my company does a user's conference. We talked about having a master of ceremonies. You know, maybe you'd be the right person for it. Or, you know, my association is looking for a keynote speaker. Maybe you're the right, the right pick. So being able to, to, to do that is, is really, really key. And so I think you're absolutely right that it is one of the coolest things that we can do. So, Brian, I love to ask people who come on the show about who they think are cool entrepreneurs, because we could talk about Brian Fanzo and we could talk about your speaking career and your consulting and your podcast. We could do that all day long. But I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to get your I'd love to get your take on who else is out there who's doing something that you think, wow, that's pretty cool. So, you know, I think the first entrepreneur that splashed on my kind of radar, I think he's He's definitely grown now as Gary Vaynerchuk as kind of recognized as an entrepreneur. And I, I was very blessed four years ago, Gary kind of reached out to me via social and, and kind of gave me some you know advice and he's checked in all over the years. But as he kind of did that, one of the things that he really kind of led me to was, Hey, you need to, you need to find entrepreneurs that are kind of directly related to what you're doing. And you know, one of the ones that has really stood out for me is, uh, is Chris Brogan. And I think Chris Brogan, when I was kind of moving up into the social media space, he was kind of the, the king of social media. But as I was kind of growing in social media, I watched him pivot multiple times and he's had multiple books. I Freakonomics and, and the idea of being a proud freak is something I always say that uh, he's inspired inside of me. And so Chris Brogan, without question to me, is, is someone that I've looked up to. I, I've also been very blessed to build a friendship to where, you know, he's a Facebook message away for advice and guidance. And, and, and those are things that I think as an entrepreneur, I would have never imagined that I would have been able to, uh, you know, bend the ear of Gary or have Chris Brogan answer questions uh, via Facebook messenger. So those are, those are the two that jump out, but uh, Chris is definitely one that I think has uh, stood the test of time, especially in this industry uh, and still doing great things. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm, I could easily have a card in the Chris Brogan fan club because uh, I met him years ago, like when Twitter first came out and he first started to develop on the scene. I met him at South by Southwest and this was before he was Chris Brogan. And we were standing around in a group and he invited me to go with a group of people to cocktails at South by Southwest. And I sat around a table for like two hours with him and some others. And then, you know, immediately after that, he became sort of a really big deal in the world of social media. And yet every time I've ever crossed paths with him, anytime we've ever been in the same place, which has been maybe a half dozen times. If he sees me, I don't have to walk over to where he's holding court. He'll walk over and shake my hand and talk to me. I mean, he's just a genuine guy. And then he's always there to answer questions on Facebook. He's, he's connected to me as well. And he's one of those people who his success of becoming sort of, you know, that guru status never really went to his head. And, and he was one of the early guests on cool things entrepreneurs do. And I thought, oh, he's going to be worried about my reach. Like I tried to get Gary 
on the show and I couldn't even get anybody to really respond to me and I'm not dissing him, but you know, there were, there were, there were barriers to getting him to, to consider this. Whereas Chris was like, yes, I will be on your podcast. Let's do it tomorrow. And so I, I think, you know, between, a between our praise of Chris Brogan and Carnegie Mellon, they should be sponsors of this show. Uh, so my final, maybe, hey, man, maybe that's a, it's a CMC sponsor. When you get Carnegie Mellon and Chris Brogan, that's not, I agree. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. C- CMUCB. They should all be my sponsors. Hey, uh, my, la- my last question for you is I love to ask the people who come on the show, what they do back, what they do to give back to the greater good, because I think entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. I think they want to leave their mark behind. And I get so many amazing answers of just what people do to serve others. So Brian, what do you do? Well, I, I think my, I figured out kind of my passion over the last couple of years as an entrepreneur. As I said, I was very self-aware and I always look at technology as what I thought my passion was. And then it was social media, but you know, I love connecting great people with great people to do great things. And that's really my, my line. And I was very blessed. Um, one of the, the great people in my world, uh, Tim McDonald, uh, kind of tapped me into No Kid Hungry, uh, organization that's trying to rid uh, the United States of childhood hunger where kids today, uh, a majority of them aren't knowing where their next meal is coming from. And I joined the social council and the advisory board of uh, No Kid Hungry a couple of years ago. And it's been a, it's been an organization that has been fun to grow with. It's fun to be a part of. And that also has allowed me to kind of dabble in other areas. And I recently started doing some advocacy work and um, some strategy work for a company called Help Erase, which is actually uh, really working to erase uh, child uh, trafficking in the United States. So I have kind of a, those two uh, you know, organizations that I spend a lot of time uh, and my resources. And it's one of the things that I love you know, when I'm growing my, my Twitter following or my Instagram following. To me, the real value of that is when I can tap in and leverage my network to either donate or give time or, or support one of these organizations. And so those are two that are, are close to my heart. And I'm, I'm very blessed uh, to be a part of both of those organizations and, and see what they're doing, especially because of having three young children. I think every time oh. I see a stat or I, I get to have to read something out, I usually have to hold back uh, tears because it's, it's, it's such an emotional tie. And I'm thankful to be an entrepreneur that allows me to kind of dedicate some of my time and resources uh, to those two great causes. Well, and, you know, as the father of daughters, you just cringe when you hear about any of this trafficking or about kids going hungry and, and things like that. So it is, I think that's awesome that you've taken on those causes. And I know with your social reach, you have to be influencing people to help them be able to, you know, tackle those problems. So good for you. That's awesome. Hey, I really, really. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it was fun. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. You're traveling all over the place. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and to sort of share your, uh, you know, your knowledge and your experience with the people who listen to cool things entrepreneurs do. If somebody listened to the show and they're like, dude, that backwards baseball cap guy you interviewed, he sounds so cool. I got to find out more about him. How do they find you? Well, I I preach consistency is, is one of the most important aspects of standing out online. And so I have to, I have to back that up. So uh, the name of my company is I social fans with a Z at the end. So I social fans with a Z and I am, uh, that's my, my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle. If there is a social channel, if there is a, uh, a place on the web that is, that is out there, I can almost guarantee that if you look up I social fans, uh, you'll find my account. So that's everywhere and anywhere. I think uh, most of my community and, and those, even my clients, I've realized that Twitter is my favorite platform. So 
you send me an email, I'll probably get back to you in, a, in 24 hours. If you probably send me a tweet, you'll probably get a reply from me in uh, less than 24 minutes. So uh, <laughs> probably Twitter is the best place, and it is iSocial fans over there at Twitter as well. Well, sort of the mantra and what you're known for is you talk fast, but you tweet faster. So uh, I think that's probably true. Yeah, it, work, it works out well. And it, it was a tagline I got before. I, I think I had I had 18 followers on Twitter when uh, a, a friend of mine, Bala Aspar, we were speaking at a technology event and that's what he, he kind of deems for me there. And now I have 114,000 followers and it still hasn't changed. I, I talk fast and I, and I, I definitely do fast. <laughs> well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here on the show. I hope our paths cross in person. I'd love to have a beer with you and we can talk social media. We can talk solopreneur business speaking, but uh, I'd love to talk more about your kids. Cause like I said, every time I see a picture of them on Facebook, looks like they're having a great time everywhere they go. Yes, we can definitely reminisce of uh, of proud dads of girls. And uh, we can reminisce and you can prepare me for what I'm going to have to endure in the near future. But I I look forward to to sharing that beer. And I really appreciate you having me on to a cool podcast. Awesome. Well, I will tell you, there's nothing I can tell you that can prepare you for teenage daughters. But good luck. So thank you so much again for being a guest here on the show. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. I think that you got a lot of value today from Brian Fanzo. And uh, I know you're going to want to tell your friends about this episode. If you like listening to the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. Brian can tell you that reviews on iTunes for your podcast just makes you feel better when you log on and see there's a fresh review where somebody says why they like your show. So tell a friend and uh, follow us on Twitter at Cool Podcast. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. We also have a Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Facebook page. You can find me all over the internet at Tom Singer. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. And we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Brian Fanzo. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. You go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.